Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Auburn Undercover Roundtable. I'm your host, Brandon Marcello, joined by Keith Niebuhr, publisher Ronnie Sanders, and columnist Philip Marshall. Um, guys, it's been about a month since we've done one of these, maybe more than that. And it's been quite dramatic, as we all know. Um, and the drama will continue. But here we are uh, recording this um, on a late Tuesday night, November 13th. And this is where we stand. Three people say Gus Malzahn is going to be the head coach next year. Gus Malzahn himself, um, Alan Green, the athletics director, and now the university president, Stephen Leith, giving his, uh, uh, letting his voice be heard Tuesday before a staff senate meeting on campus. But there is still a uh, somewhat disgruntled fan base, I would say. Obviously, questions about what's going to even happen with this staff, even with Gus coming back. And, of course, just what the heck has happened with this season. Philip, your reaction to the news over this last week with these uh, these three men saying, hey, Gus Malzahn's going to be here in 2019, and yet there's still a lot of rumbles and grumbles in the background uh, from Auburn fans, boosters, and power brokers. Well, there's no question. And, uh, uh, you know, I have to believe that with those three people saying it, that, uh, that Gus is going to be back. And there are there are powerful people who uh, who, who think, thought and think otherwise, uh, or what that, that it should be otherwise. And uh, uh, Stephen Lee put himself in, a, in an unbelievably bad position last December when he agreed to this contract because – He's going to be wrong, whatever he does. And, uh, uh, but unlike, uh, times past, I, I, I don't think there's really a whole lot anybody can do about it. Except complain. <laughs> Ronnie, what's your take on this whole situation? You're obviously very familiar with Auburn, but from the, the outside looking in, you, you hear a lot of these other writers and other fan bases going, how the heck are they going to fire a coach with a $32 million bout? They just gave that guy a new contract. But, I mean, let's be real here. When they lost to Tennessee, and Philip can, uh, I'm sure will agree with this too, there was serious, serious grumbling in the background among the type of people who influence decision makers and make decisions. And there was a realistic shot there that, that Gus Mousel could be fired. But here we are now saying that's not going to happen. But, Ronnie, uh, we've seen strange situations and dramatic situations at Auburn before, but what's your take on this whole entire situation from where you sit? I think now it's different because there are no Bobby Louders anymore. Before, uh, you would have somebody there that would, that would force the issue. Um, and so, first of all, Gus Malzahn would have gotten a big contract. He'd gotten paid a bunch of money. He would not have gotten that size buyout um, had, had Louders still been in place. So, you know, that, that, so it wouldn't have made it impossible to fire him. Uh, so, and now uh, you would have somebody pushing the, pushing the envelope a little bit. So um, I, I just don't see anybody, Philip would know more than I would, but I don't, I don't see anybody no. in place that can kind of, that, that can do that. At that time, at that time, uh, Louder had enough influence on enough board members that he could make it happen. Uh, there are certainly influential board members now, but not that influential that can make it happen. And though some of those influential people, I believe, 
wanted something to happen. They don't have enough support to make it happen. So un unless they do, uh, uh, then it can't happen. Unless Stephen Leith or Alan Green, Stephen Leith in reality, uh, decides it's going to happen. And, and uh, they've made it pretty clear that they don't plan on it happening. And as or you mentioned, this all president. yeah. Well, and as you mentioned, this all goes back to December, and this landing on Stephen Leith's lap, where he had a lame duck AD at the time, Jay Jacobs, who wasn't involved at all with the contract talks, really. And it was Stephen Leith, and based off what I've heard, Raymond Harbert, right, involved in the situation, and really no one of athletics influence, I would say that's in the department working day-to-day -day that was heavily involved in these talks. And that is a very strange situation to be in as a school president, especially one that had been on the job for about a year. Um, Philip, have you ever seen anything like that? Secondly, um, we've we talked about this. The buyout is just outrageous. But is this something that a year down the road, maybe it's not happening now, but... A year down the road, let's say Gus Malzahn has another seven-win season or something like that, that this not only haunts Gus Malzahn, but it haunts Stephen Leith and ends up ending his tenure potentially. Oh, I don't think there's any question. I don't think there's any question that this puts him in a very precarious position. Uh, uh, because it was just not necessary. And, and, and like you said, that's what how much how much they paid Gus was not ever going to be an issue. No, nobody, no, no, nobody on the board cared how much you paid him per year. Right. They could have paid right. him eight. They could have paid him eight million dollars a year. That's not the issue. The, right. the these buyouts buyout. and the guaranteed buyout. money. And now here, here you are. And, and look, I understand that Leaf didn't wasn't completely familiar with football life around here or in the SEC. And I'm, and I'm guessing here, uh, he got caught up in the whole euphoria of beating Georgia and beating Alabama and going to the championship game and all those things. And I'm not sure he realized just how hard that is to do it. once doesn't mean you're going to do it again. And, uh, uh, and to, to just look at, at that small sample size and say, hey, this is the guy we want forever, whoever it was. And uh uh was just a, a really bad mistake. And it was a bad mistake if whether it was Raymond Harbert or whoever it was that somebody on the board didn't say, Whoa, wait a minute. We can't do this. Well, Name what you want to, but we're not gonna prove this buyout. My big question buyout. is is just how involved the board really was. And, I think uh, I I think the Harbert was involved. I don't know about anybody else. That's that's that. Yeah, I've heard Harbert. I haven't heard other people's names. That's well, the, what... the compensation committee had to approve it. Right, right. And uh, so I, I, they they probably listened to Harbert. I would imagine whoever was even on the compensation committee, and it's the compensation committee isn't listed on the website. I looked last night. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, uh, but you know. To me, anybody who was involved in it and signed off on it should be—they got to be somewhat accountable too. Uh, Certainly, because it was—it it didn't make any sense. It, it was obvious then it didn't make any sense, and now the very worst—well, I don't guess it's the very worst case scenario. The worst case scenario would be if they were two and eight, I guess. But uh, 
But well, I, well, I, goodness, I really Phillip. bad scenario has come to pass. Well, goodness, Philip, what if they lose the Liberty somehow? I'm not saying it's happening, but I mean, what if they lose the Liberty? I asked somebody that question a short while ago, and I was told this person, this is not, well, this person is not involved, but is close to it. That's the best way I can put it. And he said, I don't think it matters if he loses the Liberty. If it gets beat by 75 points by Alabama, I don't think it matters. So there you go, everybody. <laughs> um, and this, is, is, this is one guy's opinion. Right. This is one sure. guy's opinion who doesn't like it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but that's his, that was his opinion. Um, I You know, this is – it might be a little unrelated, but I, I talked to Stephen Leith just briefly before he addressed the faculty Tuesday, and then he gave his like State of Auburn address. And what I found fascinating about him, and he he got some blowback from this from some faculty, at least questions from them. And by the way, Philip, you gave me a heads up that these things are weird. They they are weird. <laughs> Um, <laughs> one guy got up to complain about the minutes from the previous meeting and how the transcription was incorrect during a, uh, uh, I guess a verbal fisticuffs that two people had saying that they, it wasn't, it wasn't properly conveyed how, how heated the exchange was. I, I thought it was hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, it had, it was great. So anyway, um, Stephen Leith gets up there to give his state of Auburn address and, uh, he's talking a, a lot about. Spending a lot of money and how it might sound like we're spending a lot of money, but we got to do it so it'll pay off in the long run. And I'm just sitting there thinking, yeah, you did that with football. You certainly did that. But he, he's he's taking this approach of being very aggressive. With He's wanting to hire and is in the process of hiring, I believe, 500 tenured faculty within the next calendar year. They already have 100 coming in. Uh, by the end of this semester to get in place for next so this summer and next fall. Um, he's very aggressive with that stuff and the money. Um, and then he did this with Gus Malzahn. And then Alan Green's hired and brought in and go, hey, this is the uh, bed we made for you. You have to sleep in it. And what I've learned from all of this is that whatever Stephen Leith is saying, Alan Green is going to echo. that If it's coming from Alan Green... That, or, or excuse me, Stephen Leith, that is the path that Alan Green has to follow. And I, I saw Alan Green at the State of Auburn faculty address today as well, and he quickly waved. But uh, as Stephen Leith said in his, in his quote to me, he said, uh, Alan put it uh, perfectly last week. I agree with everything he said. He's, he's, he's our coach um, for next year. Um, what I also found interesting was Stephen Leith saying, I understand that Fans are hugely important. Yeah, well, I, I would think so. After you being here for 18 months, if you don't understand now how uh, avid Auburn fans are, you certainly know now because they have let him know that he made a mistake given that Gus Malzahn $32 million guaranteed at the very least in this contract. And I'm telling you, the moment I mentioned Gus Malzahn's name, guys, Stephen Leith's face dropped when I was talking to him. He did not want to talk about it today. So anyway, that's that's what I got today from talking to Stephen Leith and being in that uh, 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 in that faculty meeting. It was uh, Stephen Leith is a very aggressive guy. It seems like as far as the university, he's talking about growth, spending a lot of money, and uh, certainly looks like he is willing to do that with athletics when it came to, to 
to Gus Malzahn. That's the position they're in now. You know, I've, I've been very impressed with how Alan Green has handled himself since he's been here. He is an impressive man, and I feel really badly for him in this situation. This in this particular situation, because he didn't have anything to do with it. He can't fix it. I mean, no AD can say, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna." unilaterally say we're going to spend $32 million to fire the coach. I, I don't think any of So he is left in a bad position. And I, I think that he's doing the best he can to, uh, to, to understand what's going on and try to try to work with Gus and try to help, help, uh, help mitigate some things. Now, whether he's having any luck or not, who knows, but, uh, but I think he's trying. Ronnie, when you look across this coaching landscape, I'm just going to play a hypothetical game here. It's not happening. At least it doesn't appear so unless there's some massive tidal wave uh, that pushes uh, Stephen Leith out of office somehow, some way. But if Auburn had made or was going to make a coaching change, who would even be on their radar right now? Because I, I have a hard time coming up with names. You know, that's a great question. There just aren't a lot of proven guys out there. I mean, if you're looking for for head coaches, um, you know, uh, Josh Heifel at Central Florida has done a great job, but he's only been a head coach one year. Um, you know, I mean, Charlie Strong at South Florida, you know, he failed at Texas, but he's done a great job at Louisville, done a really good job at South Florida. Um, you know, there, there aren't a lot of guys uh, if you're looking for head coaches. If you're looking right. for assistant coaches, that's a little bit different. But uh, if you're going to hire a head coach, uh, there, there aren't many guys out there that are that, that are proven that you can go get. You're missing the. You're missing one guy now. Guy that's been in the NFL. Has been at Auburn. He's available. He'll be. He'll probably come cheap. Bobby Petrino. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to see. I'd, I'd like to see Malzahn hire Petrino as the offensive. Oh my god. <laughs> Gus would have I mean, to wear. Such, Gus would have, have to wear earplugs every day. And, yeah, I and mean, they have such similar personalities, and, and uh, you know their, their their vocabulary is clearly the same. So, well, let me ask let me ask you guys this though: it, it, Would you consider him? Look, I know it's tough to be a head coach and then drop you know drop down, but what about as a quarterback coach? Is is that something any school out there? would consider Petrino for. I mean, the track record at the quarterback position prior to this year has been pretty remarkable. Oh, I think Petrino can get a job. Uh, you know, I'm not sure he can ever get one in the NFL. We'll see. But yeah. after walking out on the Falcons, I'm just not, I'm not sure that, that that's going to fly. But uh, I, I don't think there's any question. He, he can coach if he wants to coach. Um, uh, can he be a head coach? Uh, that, 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 that's in question. You know, could, could he get a smaller job? Probably. Um, he's had, you know, what, one bad year at Louisville? Um, otherwise yeah. he's, he's done a really good job everywhere he's been, except, you know, you take care of the, 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 you've got plenty of off the field stuff, but, but as far as coaching the football team in college, he's done a really good job. Um, so I, I think he can, he can get a, a coordinator job, uh, somewhere. Um, we, we'd be willing to work for somebody after all this time. I, I don't know that, but, um, well, last we, time I talked to him, he's still Bob, coach. Yeah. Bobby certainly though, is, seems to have scared off a lot of people that would work with, with him because his staff now was filled with what? Two son-in-laws, uh, his own his son. children. Um, and before that, of course, his brother, Paul Petrino was his OC at one point. Um, yeah. 
And I remember just at Arkansas, he was having to hire guys that he ran into while coaching in Montana when he was younger and everything. There's not a lot of folks out there that like working and, and, for him. No, and then there's the always in demand, Brian Van Gorder. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think part of it is, you know, there's there's a little bit of a backstory with him hiring his, his family. I mean, they know how he is. Um, yeah. You know, I remember I helped, I helped, uh, I helped Ron Zook hire, um, his brother, Paul Petrino at Illinois when, when Paul was the offensive coordinator at Arkansas. And, um, there's a, there's a long story about how, how Bobby handled it when Paul told him, um, mm-hmm. probably shouldn't repeat it, but, but it's, it was not pretty. Um, you know, and then the defensive line coach there at, at Louisville, that was just let go when, when, uh, when Bobby was let go, that's his son-in-law. Um, yeah. so, yeah. You know he's got he's got. Didn't he play there, for him too? Didn't he play kids. for him? He, he he did. He played yeah. for him, and I think I believe that uh, that that one of the daughters and uh, the defensive line coach there. I think they have three three or four kids. Yeah, they got um, kids. Yeah. And then and then Katie, the the younger one, just had a baby. Um, so oh, he's he's okay. he's got his family around. Uh, so that's part of the reason he hired those guys. Um, you know, he felt like they could do a good job and. I uh, felt like they understood what he wanted and, and Hey, you know, they, they've been around him. They know how he is. So, uh, but yeah. I think it's, I think there's more, there's more play than just not being able to find somebody to work for him. I think it's, you know, there was a family situation there and he, he, he wanted his kids and grandkids around, which yeah. is certainly understandable. He certainly loved his grandkids. I remember, uh, at Arkansas, I guess when they had that first grandkid, he was always wanting the kid around. Um, all right guys. So Gus Malzahn's back in 2019 he said Tuesday they're going to be better offensively. Um, I want to talk about what this staff's going to look like next season because from everything I'm hearing, there could be massive changes on the offensive side with the staff. And I, I, I believe if I was a betting man, and I'm not a betting man because if I was, I wouldn't have any money. But I don't believe Chip Lindsey's going to be the offensive coordinator next season as it stands today. Having said that, who do you guys think will be the O.C.? when the season opens next season, next year against Oregon? I didn't believe it would be Hugh Freeze, but I have changed. I, and that's, that's, what, that's, that's based, what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. That's not based on any hard and fast information, but that's whose name I'm hearing. Uh, I had heard some talks previously about Bobby Bentley, who is at South Carolina. He's not the coordinator. But the last few days, I, 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 Hugh Freeze is all I've heard. And – uh uh, and I think that is that would be the best chance, I think, to calm the waters at least a little bit, because I'm sure Gus will uh, will will sign an open blood that he's not going to bother him and that he's going to run the offense, and he probably will until the first three and out. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I, that's if if I had to bet, that's who I would bet on. And I wonder if that's the case, if he then might he might then also have some input into the rest of the staff too. Now that would be very ungus like, but uh, but this is a this is yeah. an unusual yeah. situation. What about all right? If JB Grimes were to to be let go, I, I I hate talking about hypotheticals with people's jobs, but I heard this name today. Uh, the now it's slipping me. <laughs> the offensive line coach at Miami, who of course is an Auburn guy, Stacy uh, Searles. Searles. Uh, yeah. I, I know he was up here back when before Herb Hand was hired, uh, talking to the staff, and that didn't that didn't quite work out. But I, I wonder, as you said, if he was if Gus Malzahn was to hire a Hugh Freeze, 
Does he let Hugh build his own staff, or does Gus kind of, well, this is the hot name, I'll go with the hot name? Because that's 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 what he's done sometimes with some of these position coaches, and, and especially at defensive coordinator. He's he's gotten proven coordinators in the past, and maybe he'll try to do the same with the offensive side now that he's maybe learned his lesson. But I I don't know if he has. Yeah, maybe. Well, well, I Stacey. I think that. Go ahead, Brian. No, I I think that. Um, do I think that that the new that the new coordinator would hire everybody on on staff? No. Um, would I think that he would have some input? Yeah. I mean, usually you don't take a job unless you've uh, unless you can bring at least at least one guy with you. A name to keep an eye on would be Chris Kafilovic at North Carolina. He was in the job last time. He's got a title, Larry Porter. They worked together, um, so he he'd be a name to keep an eye on as as well on offensive line. And that, the other thing I would say, you know, with Hugh Freeze, would just be how much control does does he have just because i mean i'm sure he's just begging to get back into college football i know he's with that new pro football league that has yet to start uh, starting in february but i mean if he gets a job in the sec working for his friend gus malzahn one would argue hey he would be willing to just sit there and call gus's plays and do whatever gus wants just because he's back in college football i think you could say that or you could say that gus might trust him more, and that and that this will be the first time Gus has had someone who is something of an equal as offensive coordinator. I mean, he had he had Rep for most of the time, and then he had Chip, who he hired as a, as an analyst out of high school. Uh, so Hugh Freeze, on the other hand, has been a head coach in this league, and he and Gus are really friends. If, to me, if, if I'm Hugh Freeze, if I'm coming to Auburn to be the offensive coordinator, I'm hoping at some point to get another chance to be a head coach. And I'm not sure you're going to get get that opportunity by just sitting there calling Gus's plays. Keith, what or, do you think about some of the some of these names that we're mentioning? Yeah, you know, I've been talking to recruits and their parents, and and you know, just they hear a lot of the chatter as well. And obviously, Kendall Bryles, our Bryles' son, is one of the names that uh, consistently comes up with those people. The question is. Uh, you know, he's very tight with the head coach at Houston, right? Ronnie Major Applewhite and, and Kendall may yep. be positioning himself for a head coaching job. And, you know, quite frankly, seeing what's happened to the last two offensive coordinators at Auburn, that might scare away a young guy who's moving up, whereas Hugh Freeze has a lot less, uh, it would seem, to lose. Uh, the thing with Freeze is, you know, a couple areas that he can recruit, you know, and, and it comes back to recruiting for me. Look at the receivers that he brought in to Ole Miss. Yeah. You know, just a, a a bunch of studs that probably helped keep George Pickens. That probably helped recruit uh, receivers down the line. Uh, you know, he, uh, Hughes got some kind of recruiting acumen. I don't think there's any question about that. Now, you know, obviously they got into some and had some problems at all, but by and large, personality is something that seems to register and click well with recruits. And I think Kendall would be very good too, but he may not uh, be as familiar with the SEC landscape, obviously, as he freezes now. On the offensive line, Stacey Searles at Miami, he's got his own issues, and, and I, I'm not not here to say whether he's a great coach or not a great coach, but Miami's offensive line has struggled so much this year, really rivaling Florida State. I think Ronnie would agree is probably one of the, maybe the two worst offensive lines in, in the, you know, the major elite programs that we consider uh, in the Power Five. So I've heard that – you've probably heard the same thing, that there's probably going to be some mandatory changes at Miami – and Stacy potentially could be in trouble down there. Now, his daughter, it should be pointed out, works in the recruiting office at Auburn. 
Uh, Taylor's her name. She does a great job. One of the more re- well-respected young people in the Auburn recruiting office. And Stacy's well-respected too, but you know, Miami's just really struggling on the offensive line. And then finally, uh, Coach Cap at North Carolina, who Ronnie mentioned, through the years, they've actually recruited against Auburn a decent bit. Uh, and recruits love him. And I know Ronnie can attest to that. They absolutely love the guy. I mean, they're high on students too, it's, uh, but uh, they love Coach Cap. And for a guy in North Carolina that people at Auburn may not be familiar with, I can tell you unequivocally that recruits, by and large, really like that. That that would probably be somebody, and I don't want to write off JB, who you know obviously uh, I deal with uh, and and like a lot. Uh, but uh, if they were going to make a change, uh, you know, those are a couple of guys certainly to watch. But Cyril's situation is is maybe a little tenuous right now, to be honest with you, Ron. What do you hear? Yeah, I hear the same thing. And as far as as far as uh, Cap goes, speak of the devil. That's him calling right now. Um, but uh, but. Um, yeah, he he, um, he really good recruiter. Uh, Will Muschamp considered him at, at, at South Carolina. He was in the final two before before Muschamp made that hire. So really well respected, really good coach, uh, really good recruiter. Um, I think Thurls being an Auburn guy would would uh, you know he's going to have some support from boosters and that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I I, I do think that uh, I'm not sure you're going to see an extended search offensively. I, I think that you'll you'll. My guess is Gus Malzahn's got some got some guys in mind, and he'll he'll move fairly quickly. Um, I, don't, I don't I don't get the impression he's the kind of guy that likes to be get up uh, constantly with with uh, with hey hire my guy. Uh, I, I think he's probably got an idea where he's going offensively. I would think don't and not this would be a question for Keith really. With early signing period, don't you need to get to wherever you're going to be as quick as you can? Well, yeah. Otherwise? Unless you're going to keep guys through the process and make the change afterwards. You know what I mean? You either need to make it as soon as possible or as late as possible, if that makes any sense. What you don't want to do is to do it, you know, three days before the early signing period. Yeah. It you makes know? sense. I just think it's wrong, but it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> to, know, really, again, if you keep guys through recruiting that you know aren't going to be there, that just seems kind of dishonest to me. Always has. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think we saw it at Auburn with Damian Craig a few years ago, right? Where oh yeah, it happens all the time. Yep. <laughs> but I just, I just, I just think it's wrong. Not that anybody cares, but uh, no, I don't think they do care. <laughs> I think that's pretty clear. <laughs> but uh, uh, well, it's gonna be. I, I think, and here's the thing. Here's to me where Gus is. What you need to do is hire whoever's the best person you can hire, whether the fans have ever heard of him or not. But he also needs to calm the water some, too. Uh, now, you know, the guy now with North Carolina camp, that sounds like a, the kind of guy that would be good for Auburn. And, look, we're talking about offensive line coach like there's a job open. There may well not be an offensive line job open. But uh, but Hugh Freeze or whoever, you better hire who, who, who's going to help you help you win and not try to win a press conference. I agree with that because if Gus, I mean, goodness, Gus doesn't win next year, wouldn't he be fired? Or maybe, maybe yes. he wouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think. I, I, I think. I think probably so. Yeah. I mean, I just there, there, there was, there's so there's there's so much noise this year. You know, for yes. him to, you know, especially with a losing record. I mean, it's really hard to make it at Auburn if you have a losing record. Phil, so, you, you know. Go ahead, so, Keith. Say one thing, Brandon. Here's the problem, and 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 again, I'm not here to judge whether guys can coach or not coach. But 
you know, just the last few years, Auburn had that negative cloud over it while they were trying to recruit, right? So it was every school that they were recruiting against was beating it into the heads of these recruits that this guy's not going to survive. Uh, and that really hurt the last two recruiting classes. Now, they finished up highly ranked, and they got a lot of great, serviceable, great players, let's be honest. But it did have an impact. And so then so the last, uh, you know, once Gus signed that contract leading up to the Tennessee game this year, there wasn't that negative cloud. There wasn't that uncertainty. And you saw that Auburn was putting together a really strong class, a class that was maybe going to be, still potentially could be, but maybe the most talented of the classes. So now the negative cloud is back. And really, it, what we don't know is this, uh, this is he going to be there long term or and, you know, obviously the winds will dictate that next year. Or is this merely, a you hate, for lack of a better term, a stay of execution? And so, again, the cloud of uncertainty hangs over these guys as they're trying to recruit. Now, you could argue they've done it to themselves. They brought it on themselves. I get that. But it doesn't negate the fact that there's there is an impact here on the recruiting trail. And uh, so it, it's kind of like. I don't know. It's like a dog chasing its own tail in a sense, if that makes any sense. One thing that, that would concern me is that you look at the 2015, 2016 recruiting class, specifically the 2016 class, 12 of the 23 players who signed with Auburn in 2016 are not even on the team anymore. And we talk about depth along the offensive line, but I would say that this idea of star grabbing, and going to get some guys, and then they don't work out, and they leave for whatever reason or get kicked off their team, they need to take a real long, harder look at that too because you keep losing 7, 10, 12 recruits every recruiting class, you're not going to be uh, in the win column very much. And I think that, as much as the offensive line struggling and all that, has as much to do with why they're struggling this season. I mean, they've got two guys who should have been the two-star receivers on this team that are no longer on the team, and Nate Craig Myers and Kyle Davis, um, for whatever reasons, for for leaving or getting kicked off the team. That there, there's some. That's another issue they need to look at, in my opinion. Well, I agree. Look, I agree. Look at that 2016 class, and you've got you mentioned Nate Craig Myers, Kyle Davis, Antoine Jackson just. Didn't like where he sat on the depth chart. Woody Barrett didn't really develop. John Broussard didn't really develop. Landon Rice, though, maybe be the might be the biggest one missing from that yes, 2016 yes. class because of Auburn's, you know, really not much at tight end. Although John Samuel Schenker, you know, uh, proved the other night that he can do some things, but that's one guy. Uh, but you know, it just you're right. You've got to hit more. You, you absolutely have to hit more. There's no question about that. Especially at the quarterback position, Brandon. You posted on our site on Tuesday the quarterback signees from 2015 and 2016: Tyler Queen and Woody Barrett, no longer in the program. And so, quarterback development is one thing that people on our message boards and, and people in the blogosphere and the Auburn fan base. That's the one. If you were going to look, Auburn recruits at a very high level, but if you had Two concerns. It'd probably be O-line recruiting, which there's been some hits and there's been some misses. I mean, it's not an, an all-out failure. Some guys just take more time to develop. But the QB recruiting and the QB development, now, are, are they picking the wrong guys? Are they picking the right guys and not developing them? Whatever the case may be, uh, ultimately, that goes back to the head coach who signs off on these. So, you know, that's something they've got to get turned around. And, and obviously, they know that. Philip Keith, walk, walk me. Yeah, I'm sorry, Brandon. Keith, no, walk me through. Um, you know, I just know in the in the in the past where I worked, the way the way that it worked is you've got an area, and the area coach brings the tape in or the film in and says, "Hey, 
uh, shows it to the position coach. Position coach has to sign off on it um, once the once the uh, area coach does. Then the coordinator has to sign off, and then finally once once that happens, then then the uh, the head coach has to sign off um, to, to actually take the kid. Is 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 that what goes on at Auburn? Uh, yeah. and, is, and is it different on on both sides on, on either side of the ball? Well, I, I think that is what goes on at Auburn, and and then also you know who does he lean on? Who does Gus lean on? You know. I think on, when it comes to defense, yeah, he's going to lean on. He's going to listen more to a Rodney Garner than he would a lot of a guy. Kevin Steele uh, is a guy that's been around the block, you know, going back to the, the heyday at Nebraska. So that's a guy he's going to lean on more. He'll take their input, but ultimately, it, you know, it's his call. Not, you know, not even staff meeting. Uh, it's not always going to be cut and dry whether you, whether you offer a guy or whether you take a guy. But ultimately, that is the process. And, uh, you know, it comes down to whether you know, Gus wants a guy. Gus wants to offer a guy, and then it's got to be the right fit. And those official visits, it's not just about the kid winning the kid over. The kid, a lot of the time, has to win the Auburn staff and Gus over. We've seen instances in the past where someone made an official visit and did not really mesh with the current players or with the, the head coach, and, and they didn't end up at Auburn. So, yeah, but, Ronnie, that, that's essentially how it goes. But, again— just like in any organization, a leader leans on some of his underlings more than others. Well, I guess my question is, you know, I, I just know it at like at Alabama, for example, Nick watches every every kid and has, goes through a grade sheet on his own. So, um, it, you know, I guess I'm trying to figure out who's how thorough are they uh, before they actually go on a kid. Um, but I mean, you, you you answered the question, but I, I guess there's no way to know internally what what um, what goes on there. Because I, I just I, I keep hearing that you know Malzahn takes all the players on offense and, and all this stuff. I'm just wondering how much the other coaches are involved, or if it's just you know that basically they bring in the tape and he says yes or no. Well, I, I think a lot of the guys are heavily involved, but I will say this: there there have been times. Uh, where I will just say that assistants that are no longer with the program <laughs> mentioned later on, they said, you know, they would have liked if he would have uh, made the call a little quicker on whether to offer a guy. And look, there's two ways to look at that. One, you could say, well, the, the, the longer you wait, the, the further behind you can fall at the kid. Or you can say, hey, credit to him, credit to Gus for doing his due diligence, for for taking his time. So there's there's two, you know, two schools of thought there. Well, sometimes you have to offer early to get it to, to have a chance. Um You know, so, Keith, speaking of recruiting, tell us a little bit about where the Kelly Bryant's sweepstakes is stand, stands right now. Yeah, this is fascinating. You know, and I'm, I'm going to be uh, talking to him in the very near future. Uh, that's the former Clemson quarterback, started all of 2017. Obviously, the Auburn fans remember him. Might have had one of his two or three best games of his college career against Auburn. Uh, he's given Auburn a hard look. He visited two weeks ago. Arkansas is a team that he's giving a long look to. The head coach there, Chad Morris. You know, obviously, was the the offensive coordinator at Clemson uh, when Kelly got to Clemson. So that past relationship really giving Arkansas a boost here. Miami is involved. Uh, you know, Miami's kind of gone a little bit away from a true pro style quarterback in the last couple of seasons. Uh, and one of the reasons they're having to do that is because their offensive line, quite frankly, isn't getting it done. Uh, but he's going to officially visit Miami. He's this weekend. He's going to officially visit. Mississippi State, North Carolina is also in the mix. But I feel like Auburn thinks it's got a shot. And source a source close to Kelly tells me that Auburn absolutely has a shot. He's going to visit again. It will not be an official visit. But the reason for that is more logistical than anything. 
uh, driving to Miami from his neck of the woods in, in the, the upstate Carolina region isn't as easy as driving to Auburn. So he's going to be at Auburn either next week or the week after with his parents. Again, that'll be a second trip to Auburn this fall. He's going to have a decision the first week of December. Uh, you know, Auburn uh, is telling him, look, they want veteran a veteran quarterback in there. And and when you say, you know, you look at Auburn, who they got coming back next year, uh, all these young players, uh, the, almost the entire offensive line will be back or maybe the whole offensive line will be back. Obviously, that group's got to play better. Uh, all the receivers, the running backs, you know, provided nobody transfers or whatnot, and there's always going to be some attrition. But the bulk of the offense is coming back. So what's the missing piece? Uh, you know, is Malik Willis going to be ready to be a starting quarterback? Can freshman Bo Nix come in this spring and push for the starting job? Uh, you know, who knows? But Kelly Bryan is a known commodity, uh, and whereas those other guys are not. So that's really Auburn's big selling point. And he grew up kind of a guy that really was fascinated by Auburn. It was an offer he always wanted. So now that Auburn has offered, they really have his ear. We'll see. I think it's sort of open. Uh, there's a few schools that feel good. I think Ronnie's heard that North Carolina feels pretty good. I've heard that Arkansas feels pretty good. But Auburn, with transfer, you never count them out. Don't forget this as well. The Auburn staff has always had a pretty good relationship with the Clemson staff. Uh, so, you know, it, it'd be a, really a seamless transition for him in a sense. He's not from too far away. Auburn and Clemson campuses, as everybody knows, are similar, similar dynamic. Uh, the challenge of playing in the SEC, uh, you know, those are things that he's interested in. So, you know, we'll see, but that it's gonna that last visit's gonna be crucial. What what do they sell him and his parents on? Um, and he's gonna look. He's not going anywhere. He's not pretty sure he's gonna be the starter. He's got one year to play, and it, it's really all or nothing. Uh, he's a quality young guy. You know, a lot of people never thought guys that he would even play quarterback at Clemson. They thought maybe he'd move to tight end, but he worked hard, honed his skills, uh, and and really passed some guys that were more highly rated than him. Quite frankly, Derek Cooper being one. And to become the starter at Clemson and, you know, got them to the college football playoff last year. He's not super dynamic, but he's a dual threat guy. And, you know, maybe whereas Auburn didn't have that dual threat element the last two years, maybe he gives you a little bit more of that. It's also a, a kind of a one year. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not stopgap. That's not fair. But a one year, you know, to, to get. The other guys ready, Bo Nix in particular. And, you know, I don't want to sell Malik Willis short, but, you know, I don't hear much chatter, to be honest with you, Brandon. That's more your realm. But uh, it could maybe get Auburn through a year where they've got some other pieces in place. Yeah, and as you said, I mean, Auburn with transfer quarterbacks, their, their first year are always very successful. Uh, don't know about the second year. <laughs> um, even with Nick Marshall, he improved as a passer, but they didn't win games. And then, of course, we're – Seeing what's happening right now at Jarrett Stidham, which uh, I think is baffling everybody, uh, including NFL scouts, and that's another interesting thing. I, 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 you know, Jarrett Stidham's not going to be back next season. I, I, I don't see how or why he would be. I asked him Tuesday if he'd be back, and he said, you know, you know, Lord willing, you know, hopefully he'll be living and breathing next season. Uh, but he didn't say he's coming back to Auburn. He's not coming back. But they got to have a. I think they do need a veteran guy because. As you said, the options are Malik Willis, Bo Nix, maybe Joey Gatewood. But at this point, uh, I think the coaches have shown this season, just based off of how they've played Malik Willis, they don't have a lot of confidence in him right now. And I would think, honestly, when Bo Nix comes in in the spring, he, he'll have the, uh, uh, the head start in a lot of ways, even though he hasn't even been on campus, and he'll be a true freshman. But if they get Kelly Bryant, that would be huge um, because they – that is going to be a huge, 
huge question mark, no matter who is a starter, if it's not Kelly Bryant next season. Well, you know, you know, Brandon, it's interesting because what if you land Kelly Bryant? What, who leaves? And and do they leave before spring? Which is quite frankly, oh, absolutely. I think I think that will happen. Yeah. So who leaves? How many? Leaves? You know, you know, Bo Nix is going to be there, but potentially you might only have two scholarship quarterbacks next year. So that's the yang to the yin. There's always there's always a you know a, some a, a, a result of some move you make. So it's uh, it, it gets a little dicey when you only have two scholarship quarterbacks too. And that's kind of what happened when John Franklin the third and everybody came in. Uh, Auburn had two quarterbacks leave at some point, and then and it was one of them with John Franklin the third actually, um, because it was clear to him he wasn't going to get to play. And Kelly Bryant comes in, and it's going to be pretty clear to Malik Willis and probably Joey Gatewood that they're not going to play because they're going to try and bring Bo Nix up as well. So, and then you got Cord Sandberg there that uh, I think they trust more to be a backup quarterback at this point than uh, the other two. Uh, this well, season. yeah, I, I meant three scholarship. I, I totally lost track of Cord because you know he didn't play much. But yeah, I mean, still, it, it the options are going to change. Obviously, there's yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Plus, Cord is only 48 years old, so he's still got <laughs> years left. <laughs> I think I think the quarterback thing is that's that's a nationwide thing. I and that's what I, I I don't think there's any question Auburn will not have the same number of quarterbacks in the fall they start out with in the spring. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Philip, I wanted to ask you this. Um, do you think Gus learned anything this season? Uh, as far as as far as has is he going to learn from his mistakes this year? Because we've been hearing the same stuff over and over and over and over again every week, and nothing's changed. And it's almost gotten to the point where, like, I, it's not the media saying, "Hey, you need to do this," and then he starts doing it. But it's almost like. He's like three or four weeks behind on when to change things. Um, maybe I'm being too I don't critical. Know, I don't it's, know. And, it's uh, just strange. I think he really needs to. To I think he really needs to uh, learn from it. I think that, and you know, and I don't like to even get get into talking about strategy because there's no reason for anybody listening to me about football strategy because I don't know what I'm talking about. But but just in terms of of uh, how he goes about things, how he relates to his coaches, uh, his all those kinds of things, and uh, listening to uh, listening to other people, will that change if he hires Hugh Freeze? Maybe somewhat, but it is you know it hasn't changed before. So, but the the ironic thing to me is is if you look at the times. And it's really kind of strange when you look back. He was he was he came to do what he did on offense, and then he turned it over to Red, and then he took it back, and then he turned it back over to Red, and then after the LSU game last season, he got out of pretty much got out of Chip's way, and that's according to Chip. Uh, that uh, um, he he got out of the way. They went to the SEC championship game, and then he got back involved. Uh, he, he turned it over to Rhett. They won six straight games. Then he got back involved. And I'm not saying he, he he's he can't do it himself, but he he just needs to either do it himself or let his guy do it. One of the two. This, yeah. this mixture yeah. of mixture of philosophies and all that stuff is just it just doesn't work. Or to be quite honest, history has a way of repeating itself. But I would think Gus would have learned from the very first year as a coordinator 
in college football that what's what he's doing right now will never work because when he was at Arkansas, they tried to mix two philosophies. It never worked. He got the play calling stripped out of his hands by Houston Nutt, and that, so he left and went to Tulsa the very next year to right. kind of restart his career. And here he is yet at Auburn doing the same exact damn thing to Rhett Lashley and Chip Lindsey, and it is absolutely baffling to me. Not that, only that. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to repeat what I said. Yeah. Not only that, Brandon, he has, in 2011, when they they started off, scored a lot of points, and, and they couldn't stop anybody. And, uh, and Chiswick wanted to... Uh, Want him to slow down. Yeah. To help the defense. And next thing you know, he's taking a $500,000 pay cut to go to Arkansas State. Uh, he, but, but now, like you said, now he does, he's done the same thing and uh, that he hated. And it's baffling. And it's particularly baffling because at the times he hasn't done it since 2013, after 2013, the times he hasn't done it, other times it's worked the best. Yeah, it's, and, uh, I, it's hard to understand. Brandon, I want to one thing that I forgot earlier is regarding Hugh Freeze, and I know Ronnie might have some more info here. But if if that's the direction Auburn wants to go, with Mike Loxley, the offensive coordinator at Alabama, being under consideration for this Maryland job, could Auburn potentially have to battle Alabama to land Hugh Freeze? Ronnie, are you you hearing anything about that? Yeah, I mean it's certainly a possibility. Um, you know, it, certain, I, I would think it'd be a strong possibility, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, but, but the other part of that is that, you know, the freeze has a, a prior strong relationship with Gus Malzahn. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting, be interesting to watch. Uh, Nick might just give it to, to, to Danny Nose and let him go with it, but it'd be interesting to watch. I like Danny Nose. I might be the only one who does. I like him. He's a really, really good football coach. I don't know anything about him as a person, but uh, and, he, yeah. and he wasn't—he wasn't—he didn't do a great job as a head coach. But um, as far as as far as coaching quarterbacks and, yeah. and running an offense, he's 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 done a really, really good job. Everybody's he's really good. fantastic, and he was a name I briefly, briefly, briefly heard at Auburn before Chip Lindsey came on board, um, very briefly. But um, obviously, he wasn't very much on the radar. Um, so anyway. Gonna be interesting, guys. So how how many how many touchdowns does Auburn beat Alabama by here in a couple of weeks? Like three? Uh, <laughs> uh, like I said, nobody should listen to me for strategy. But if it was me, if I was Gus, I would do the same thing I did in 2014. I'd just go over there and sling it deep every time. Yeah, yeah. That was a hell of a game to watch until uh the last quarter and a half. Um, until they quit covering uh Amari Cooper. Yeah. 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 Well, well, guys, I think the thing that's frustrating fans the most here is that they just know how the season's going to play out from here. And the only thing to really look forward to for them is maybe the bowl game just to see who they play. And then if there are any changes and Gus Malzahn comes out and says, hey, we're going to do things differently here or there. But certainly looks like Gus Malzahn is going to be the head coach in 2019, maybe even further. And we're going to see if he's learned from any of his mistakes and um and we didn't even talk about Auburn just came off a loss to Georgia where they still can't score um, against Georgia and Athens or in the Peach State, for that matter, for whatever reason. I mean, 
Georgia's not on Gus Malzahn's mind, but Georgia is in his head. I'll tell you that. They they can score the first quarter. (laughs) That's the other thing. I I know I can't. That's remarkable. It's amazing. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Their opening drives or in the first quarter, they look perfect offensively. I know. What 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 happens? It's scripted, of course. Those first drives, first seven to eleven plays, but after that, it's like they're just bumbling across the sideline trying to figure out what to call. It's really weird. But I guess that's what happens when Gus Malzahn's in your uh, head uh, while you're trying to call plays every day. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, we'll see if the communication lines clear up. Uh, for Auburn, uh, but uh, I think we've said our piece, and it's going to be an interesting next few weeks. Guys, thank you so much for joining me here on the Auburn Undercover Roundtable. Make sure to go to auburnundercover.com for full coverage on everything football. Basketball season is underway, and boy, do they look really good. Maui Invitational is coming up uh, this coming next Monday, and uh, recruiting, of course, is going to be heating up with the early signing period, and Kelly Bryant visiting Auburn soon, and you can make sure and check out Keith's uh, interview with Kelly Bryant here coming soon at AuburnUndercover.com as well. We'll see you guys down the road.